With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Washington football team tied at 17 with eight minutes to go. The Steelers have the ball first and 10 on the Washington 48. We will keep you updated. This turned out to be a dramatic game here as Pittsburgh tries to remain undefeated. They're 11-0 in the season. Washington still very much in that turtle derby in the NFC East. They are 4-7 and seven, trying to keep pace with the New York Giants, Buffalo and San Francisco will kick off a little bit later on tonight. The double E football team contract extension with GM and vice president of football operations, Brock Sunderland. He will join me at around 645 tonight and the NHL. Well, I think we're going to have a season, but when, but when John Shannon talking with staff today, latest on the negotiations. Legacy, things are heating up. Okay, things are heating up. I was told this morning that uh, there's a good chance to expect a very busy week uh, of what the discussions were. They did talk uh, a lot about logistics. Uh, and when I mean logistics, we're talking about schedule length, uh, training camps, timing of issues. They did talk a lot over the weekend which means that was probably Bill Daly and his group with Don Zavolo, the uh, general counsel for the Players Association, and Matt Snyder. Uh, we do know that Gary and Don Fear have been talking a bit more recently, uh, but there's still no resolution on the financial side uh, when it comes to what, they, what the players feel they agreed to in the summertime. So um, things are starting to roll. I'm not sure at what speed, but I still think we're talking about mid to late January to start the season. Well, yeah, we're starting to hear more of that mid-January, maybe more towards the end of the month. And as you heard John say, the the money, figuring out the financial, this, this continues to be a big hang-up. All right, Jack Michaels, your play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers, is on the line. But I introduced Jack tonight not only as that, but as a loyal, and I'm hopefully uh, and hopefully an excited supporter of the nine and three Cleveland Browns Jack you were so nervous going into yesterday's game it like look it was six points but it was one of the most lopsided six point wins you could have imagined well if you'd listened to our uh, colleague show on Friday you would have heard me say that was the lock of the week that Cleveland would not only cover but win and I, I actually was fairly confident going into that game. Tennessee does not have a particularly strong pass defense. And I, I had a hunch that, that Cleveland would kind of attack that and maybe cross them up a little bit with a more pass-oriented game plan. But, yes, the best, uh, best start since I was a teenager, Reed. So I am uh, ecstatic and very much looking forward to – uh, the postseason, which hopefully will lead us right into the NHL regular season. 
Well, yeah, that that could be the timing. Well, good for the Browns. You look back on their history since they they came back into the league, and, and you and I have talked about the move to Baltimore before. I mean, they made the playoffs in uh, 2002, and I believe they blew a late lead against the Steelers. I think they kind of botched a kickoff return. They were up, but, they were up 28-10 in the third quarter, but I barely remember that game. <laughs> but, I, I mean, look, and, and unfortunately for Oilers fans, and you and I cover the team, when, when you talk about teams over the last 10 or 15 years that have been – really poor um i mean you have to lump the oilers in there they missed the playoffs 10 years in a row they have been in two of the last four years um certainly the browns i, I guess the houston astros though they'll, they'll, they'll bounce back to be strong for the last three or four years though there's a little bit of shadow on uh on those victories but but good for the browns i mean just for the fact that they've been so bad for so long i and because of i value our friendship so much jack i find myself pulling for them a little bit well i appreciate that reed there's plenty of room on the bandwagon. I don't think uh, a lot of people in Edmonton or, for that matter, Western Canada uh, consider themselves Browns fans. But there's plenty of room on the bandwagon for those who wish to hop on. All right. Uh, and seventeen seventeen, still Washington and Pittsburgh. And, oh, I think that I just turned my head to the TV. Yeah, Pittsburgh went for it on fourth and one. It would have been a long field goal. Well, it would have been a little less than 50. And they go for it. And they don't get it. So Washington's going to get the ball back with a chance maybe to go down and get the points that uh, that put them in. I don't know how much you've seen of this game, Jack. It's been a bit of a weird game. There was a strange call with them trying to get the ball on the field for the kicker at the end of the I first half. I have it on half. DVR, Reid, but feel free well, to you tell serious? Me everything that happened. You're doing a great job right now. I, you, you didn't PVR this, this game. two weeks in a row. Two <laughs> weeks in a row, I believe. Well, you know I'm going to give the score if you're coming on a live sports show. When I am on, I would I would like the focus to be solely on me and not anything else in the world of sports. I want if you bring me on, it's the Jack Michaels segment. You don't say, "Hey, coming up, we'll tell you everything that happened in the Washington Pittsburgh game." And oh, by the way, Jack Michaels will be our guest. You don't say that. You say, "Hey, Jack Michaels is coming up." Instead, I now have a play-by-play of almost everything that's happened in this Washington-Pittsburgh game. So you might as well feel free to expand anything else. In fact, if you want, I'll just kind of sit over in the corner and you can tell me what's going on in the game. Well, I think I've said it off. You know the score. So, <laughs> you know, well, well, you know the score and the time remaining. I think that's pretty significant. Yeah. I'll tell Aren't the story about so the kicking ball later. you on weekly to berate you? Oh, I'm used to it. I usually get it in person every day at the rake for practice at this time of year. So I've kind of missed it. So once a week feels like yeah, I'm, just, I'm just getting warmed up. You're just getting well, warmed up. A little of me again. goes a long way. Anyone who knows me will tell you that. But, uh, you know, the point is, is I, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the prospects of a season. I'm really excited, you know, just for, for just for Canada. I, th- I think Canada gets the great end of this deal. I mean, I, honestly... I, I'm not sure there's, you know, a group of teams that's going to be- benefit more in terms of a fan base than all the Canadian teams uh, with this all-Canadian division. I, I think it works out very well for the country. I think it works out very well for the Oilers, especially since, you know, obviously the Battle of Alberta started to heat up. You've got Vancouver that's saying, 
hey, you know, what are we talking about? The Oilers for we're the team on the rise. We're the team that made a significant run in the playoffs. We're the team that pushed Vegas to the brink. So I think there's a, a natural kind of budding rivalry there with a lot of Canuck fans telling you, you know, they've got the, you know, they've got not the better captain as a player, but an established captain and a leader. And, you know, Elias Peterson deserves to be in the same, you know, grouping as McDavid and Drysaddle. So, I think there's some natural animosity built in there, and it, it's kind of doubly nice, Reed, because I do think, you know, outside of Toronto, of course, the strength of the Canadian division is based in Western Canada. So there's going to be a lot of jockeying for position and a lot of head-to-head action, which, of course, will augment uh, some rivalries that are already budding. And you know the first two rounds are going to be inside the division, too. That would be my... I, you know, I'm not going to say for sure, but I definitely, I definitely think they're going to stick with the geography for the first two rounds of the playoffs. So there's a lot of potential for coming out of this and then hopefully heading into 21-22 with some semblance of normalcy that you're going to have some of these rivalries ratcheted up a notch or two, specifically Oilers-Flames, Oilers-Canucks. Well, there's the potential to play if they go to 56 games – there's the potential to play two opponents 10 times a year and you'd play the other ones nine times a year if they and balance the map that way. I think it's possible from Edmonton's standpoint that it could be Calgary and Vancouver that they play the 10. I, I mean, I don't know that, but I, I certainly think it's it, it's an option. I don't know how they're going to do it, Reed. I, I mean, if you think about it, you've got six opponents, 56 games. Theoretically, you could play, you know, Six opponents, not so you have. Yeah, you basically have two that you're looking at playing, playing ten, and you know there might be some nines in there. Who knows how they're going to break it down? But bottom line is, that's you know at least twice the amount they'd normally play. And again, considering where those two rivalries in particular are at right now, with both teams, you know, all three teams thinking that they might finish first i think that's a great thing and and obviously we saw what happened the last time uh edmonton calgary met up and i think uh there's definitely you know some hard feelings there with the oilers and the canucks there's there's there have been some real good battles and right off the top of my head it seems like every time edmonton vancouver plays it's three two I mean, it's, it's, they're always tight games. Sometimes the Oilers-Flames games tend to get out of hand, uh, but the, the Oilers-Canucks, I, I can't recall a, a, you know, a real blowout here in the last year or two. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm trying to think of one. Um, I'm sure there's one I'm not remembering. The, the last time I can remember, the, like the Oilers, the, the Oilers had that home-and-home home against Vancouver in April of 2017, right before they were going into the playoffs to end the long drought. And they handled them pretty handily. Those games, Everly got a hat trick, the final game of the season to get to 20 goals. But yeah, you're right. A lot of Edmonton Vancouver games have been pretty tight. They had the Sedins last game in Edmonton. That one went to a shootout. That was in 20, was that 2018 or 2019? It's all a bit well, of a blur. Specifically, I think, you know, you, you take a look at where these two teams are at trying to, 
you know, again, ascend not only in the division, in the Western Conference. It, it just seems like every game's 2-2 in the third period, and, it, you know, it goes one way or the other. Edmonton, of course, won its opener uh, with a late McDavid goal that, that put them ahead to stay, I think, with five or six minutes left. And, and then the Canucks, you know, they, they've been plucky. I mean, even when it, it appeared like, you know, Vancouver was dealing with a lot of injuries the last couple of years, and they, they've they given the Oilers tough games. It's been very closely contested for the most part. And like I said, the the intensity and the emotion of the Edmonton-Calgary game, it's a, the real shame of the pandemic from a purely hockey standpoint is, boy, I was itching for that next Battle of Alberta to see what would be next because we were on a nice little run of some real, you know, hostility and, and some real harsh feelings. And I think that's, you know, especially coming out of the pandemic, those kind of rivalries, that kind of competition is really important to help, you know, get fans back, you know, in a, in a schedule of watching hockey, appointment viewing, appointment listening. And when you, when you've got that potential for not only close competition, but competition that, that might, you know, reveal itself to be more of a late 80s, early 90s feel uh, where there might some, be some real physical play. I, it's exciting. I, I think, like I said, um, of all the schedules, I think Canada is going to be most most appreciative of how this breaks down, uh, not only from a safety standpoint, but again, uh, I think it's a great thing for these Canadian teams to be locking horns so often. So, Jack, when you watch a football game that you've PVR, do you watch it? straight through or do you skip in between plays so you can watch it all in an hour i skip in between plays and then any anything i need to fill in the gaps i turn on your program and you'll have told me the rest (laughs) absolutely well i won't say anything i'm just gonna thank you i'll make sure i don't give an update too quickly in case you can still hear it uh but i love having you on the show buddy and i look forward to seeing you around the rink hopefully well maybe in about a month or so well, let's hope so. And again, I, I can't wait to get started. Um, it excites me that we're getting close. Again, the schedule is something that I'm really pumped up about. I, I, I think that it's one of those things where in Canada, I think it'll help get people you know, back in the flow of things in terms of, again, uh, following hockey on a regular basis that much quicker. I mean, think about jazz. The people in Toronto and Montreal are going to feel though those two teams will probably play each other 10 times Toronto, Ottawa, 10 times. I, I think that'll get things going a little bit. And, and uh, for me, I I've always been a fan of that Reed. I, I think hockey is a, a passionate sport with passionate fans. And when they see the kind of passion in the ice that's generated by teams jockeying for basically the same spot. I mean, I think, Reed, I think all six six of the seven teams in Canada are entering this slate thinking they're going to finish first. I really believe that. I, I, I think I think Winnipeg is like, are you serious? Like, we got the best goalie. Like, why, why aren't we in the mix? Uh, Toronto has been close, close, close. They feel like they've got the best team. Montreal arguably had the best offseason and they feel like they've still got the world's best goalie and now they got a legitimate two to help them out in this compressed schedule so a lot of teams i think in canada are thinking they're going to finish first and to be honest with you i think four or five of them are realistically thinking that so that's what excites me i think it's going to be a tremendous horse race jack always appreciate your time buddy we'll talk to you soon okay all right see you pal
That is the one and only Jack Michaels, play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers on the Oilers Radio Network and 630 Chet. Hopefully he's no longer on the line, so I can update what has happened. With 2.03 left in the game, Washington kicks a field goal to go up 2017, and then a deflected ball intercepted by Washington with a minute 59 to go. So they're in scoring range with a three-point lead on the unbeaten Steelers late in the first game on Monday today. Back after the break, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. at the end of the first half Washington was in Pittsburgh territory Alex Smith got sacked and they didn't have any timeouts left so they're running the offense is running off the field the kicking team is running on the field to try to get the field goal off at time and the officials stopped the clock and then they started winding it again and then with a second they stopped it and then the referee announced that there was a procedural delay to get the K ball on the field. And in the NFL, each team has its own ball or not just one ball, but they have their own set of balls that they use specifically for their kicks. So they pause the game to allow Washington to get this ball on the field and then basically reset the clock and then wound it again. But by that time, Washington is set up and ready to kick. So that got them three points that they probably wouldn't have had time to to get the playoff otherwise and now they're ahead by three with 20 seconds left and got a really good chance here to end the Steelers dream of an unbeaten season they had Dean Blandino on Fox the their rules consultant who said that usually if it's a quick play like that at the end of the half they don't let them get the K ball in they just have to kick with whatever ball is in play so maybe a break here for Washington and something that could wind up really hurting the Steelers We'll talk a little bit more about uh, the Canadian division in the NHL. We'll look at some predictions for that. Also, the Lou Marsh Award. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Gets handed out tomorrow. Could an Edmontonian win it? McDavid back in Edmonton as we wait, as we wait for the start of the NHL season. You heard John Shannon on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer say that we are likely looking at mid to late January for the season to begin. 52 or 56 games for the regular season seems the most likely possibility right now. The undefeated run is over for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They lose 23-17 to Washington. The Steelers drop to 11-1 
Washington now at five and seven on the season. Buffalo and San Francisco underway about halfway through the first quarter. No score there. And one more game still to come tomorrow in the NFL to wrap up the week. That'll be Baltimore taking on Dallas. I was reading today on The Athletic, Pierre Lebrun wrote a column. He got predictions on the Canadian division for the upcoming season. Now, what he did was he talked to members of American-based teams, whether it be a front office executive, a scout, or a coach, to predict the order of finish for the uh, for the All-Canadian Division. He contacted 15 people. They all wrote back. So this, this was interesting to me because I, I just know from people asking me for my own predictions or seeing other things pop up online or wherever that it varies greatly, really except for Ottawa, being Ottawa expected to be the worst team in Canada this season. And and looking through the 15 predictions that LeBron got back, all 15 people had Ottawa last. After that, I, I mean, man, it varies wildly. In terms of the Edmonton Oilers, no one picked them to finish in first place. Now, this was regular season only. This is, wasn't how deep are they going to go in the playoffs or potentially win a cup or whatever. This was just how, how do they finish if it's only Canadian teams against Canadian teams for 48, 52, 56 games, whatever. No one had the Oilers first. Three people had them second, four people had them third, and three people had them fourth. So that's nine out of 15 had them in the top four, which we can presume is going to be the playoff cut line. Maybe they expand the playoffs. Maybe there's some wildcard format to get some fifth-place teams in. I don't know, but let's just assume it's the top four making it. And then three people here had the Oilers in fifth, and two of them, had had the Oilers all the way down in six. No one picked them last because all the last place votes uh, went to Ottawa. Um, in terms of the, the first place team, nine of the 15 predictors put the Maple Leafs in first place. Four picked Calgary and two picked Montreal. And Montreal, another team that was all over the map. Somebody had them fifth, fourth, fourth, uh, first, second. Just looking through here. Uh, second, first, third. Second, so somebody else had Montreal sixth. So the the teams are all over the map here. Certainly Toronto consistently picked in the top two or three. I think somebody had them down fifth or sixth, which was was rare when it came to this. And this is what's going to make it fun. Look, if the division is tough, I think that can, that that makes for great hockey. And if, if you can't make the playoffs in whatever division you're in, then you ultimately don't deserve to, to win the Stanley Cup. Even if you're a really good fifth-place team, well, so what? The four teams you play, four other teams that you played all year were better than you. I, I, I think, again, I think the Oilers are a good team, and I think they will have a good season. I, I think there are questions about their defending and about their goaltending, and maybe you could worry a little bit about the penalty kill because it was second last year. Riley Shane was a key penalty killer. He's not back on the team though they did make some other additions that should help five on five. I think the power play is going to be excellent again. And I think they should be at least a little bit better five on five. When somebody asked me for my picks, and this was probably over a month ago, I actually had Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, Vancouver as the top four, and then Montreal, Winnipeg, and Ottawa as uh, as the bottom three. But look, Winnipeg's got, as like Jack was saying, Winnipeg's got the top goalie in the league from last year. Not only was a Vesna Trophy winner, he was also a Hart candidate. 
So, you know, I'm going with the Flames because they got Markstrom. You got to give Winnipeg some consideration because of the, their goaltender too. It's the way it's going to be something that certainly I haven't seen. Uh, if you are of a certain vintage and you can remember the original six, which ran up until the mid 60s, mid to late 60s, then maybe you can remember the 16 NHL where they played a 70 game schedule and you played everybody else 14 times each having in a Canadian division and the other divisions isolated like this would be the closest that we've ever come to that again. So uh, again, of the 15 people who picked, no one had the Oilers first, three people had them second, four had them third, three had them fourth, three had them fifth, and two had them sixth. Nobody had them last. Everybody had Ottawa last. The Lou Marsh Trophy is going to be presented tomorrow. We're going to have one of the voters on Inside Sports tomorrow night. This goes to Canada's top athlete for 2020. I was reading up on some people who could be under consideration. Alfonso Davies from Bayern Munich, who spent part of his training here in Edmonton with the FC Edmonton Academy, later went to the Vancouver Whitecaps and then joined Bayern Munich. He is definitely one of the favorites, only 20 years of age, helped Bayern Munich win five trophies this year, including the Champions League title. They also won the Bundesliga and the UEFA Super Cup. Played 33 games, had two goals, six assists, and you've seen some of his highlights with the incredible speed that he has. And he was named Canada Soccer, uh, Canada Soccer's Men's Player of the Year. Pretty much a no-brainer there. Jamal Murray, we've talked about on the show as well, from the Denver Nuggets, was outstanding in the playoffs for Denver and had a pretty good regular season as well. The one name that that I wonder how he's going to be considered, personally, I... I as much as I appreciate what this person did, to me, it doesn't make him the athlete of the year. Maybe it makes him the athlete humanitarian of the year. And that's Laurent Duvernay-Tarda from the Kansas City Chiefs, who won the Super Bowl with the Chiefs in February and then stepped away from football. He graduated from McGill University with a doctor of medicine and a master of surgery. He opted out of the season and began working in healthcare in Quebec. He has been uh, named uh, one of Sports Illustrated Sports People of the Year under the category of the activist athlete. They picked five people in total, including Patrick Mahomes, who was uh, Duvernay Tardif's teammate with the Chiefs. I think that's incredible what he's done. I, I, to me, that doesn't fit the bill as being the athlete of the year because I still think you have to have performed throughout the large majority of, of, of your season. Perhaps there's... I mean, Sports Sports Illustrated calls it the, the sports person of the year, and they specifically said it's going to activist athletes. That's one magazine they can kind of do with it what they want. To me, Duvernay Tardif, incredible what he's done, and and good for him for putting football aside and taking his other walk of life and making it the priority. To me, I'm not sure that's enough to make him the Lou Marsh winner. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll find out tomorrow, and we'll have discussion about it on the show tomorrow evening. I was also reading today, and I hope I'm saying this right, Haim Ashed, who is a uh, who is a retired Israeli scientist, uh, retired former head of his Israel space program, saying in a new interview that there has uh, already been contact between extraterrestrials and humans, that in fact the U.S. government and the Israeli government 
have dealings with the aliens and that the aliens have a contract to do experiments here and that they're researching and help and trying to understand the whole fabric of the universe and they want humans to help and that there is a base on Mars where American astronauts have already set foot. Uh, as Shed says there, I'm reading this out of the uh, New York Post, though it appeared in other publications as well. He says there's an underground base in the depths of Mars where their representatives are and also American astronauts. But he says, look, I know this sounds crazy, but it's totally true. The Americans uh, know about this, but uh, they, you know, they and the aliens have decided nobody on Earth is quite ready to make this widespread knowledge. Put that in the futures file for something to follow. Brock Sunderland has a contract extension as GM of the Edmonton football team. He's up next. sequence in the Buffalo San Francisco game the 49ers got down to the Buffalo one could not score on fourth down and then Buffalo takes over and they fumble so the Niners get the ball right back inside the five get a touchdown get the convert so seven nothing San Francisco in the final minute of the first quarter earlier today it wrapped up about 20 minutes into inside sports Pittsburgh loses for the first time this season 23-17, Washington takes it in Pittsburgh. So the Steelers drop to 11-1. Washington still fighting for the NFC East. They go to 5-7. and seven. Football news right here in Edmonton today. The Double E football team announcing a contract extension for GM and VP of Football Operations, Brock Sunderland, extending him through the 2023 season. And Brock Sunderland is on the line now. Brock, you're on with Reed. How have you been, sir? Hey, Reed, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's nice to talk to you. We appreciate you checking in. Congratulations uh, on the contract extension. I'll, I'll dive right in with this question. Through 2023, so looking down the road a little bit, and, and how important is this? Is it that, it that it syncs up with the length of Scott Milanovic's deal too? I think it's very important. It creates continuity. Uh, Scott and I are on the same page along with Chris, and it says to the players that are with us and that are potentially going to be with us that they know – they knew who's at the top of the organization and what to expect, and uh, there's certainly stability. So when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That helps out with free agency, not only this year, but in the years moving forward as well. Okay. I want to ask you about free agency, Brock. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to list all the free agents in the CFL because we'd be here until the start of my show tomorrow. But, but seriously, it's, it, it's, it's, a crazy, uh, it's a crazy situation with there having been no season. And, uh, you know, as, as of now, you can start looking at it and signing players again. I, I believe I got that timing right. How, how unusual is this and how flooded is the market going to be? 
Well, it's flooded. I don't know if the the market itself is that crazy different from what it's been in previous years. Now that we're in the era of the one-year contracts, this is pretty common. So that part of it is pretty standard for the past four or five years. What's different is there was no season last year, as we all know. So we're going to be signing players that we haven't seen, some of them for a couple of years. If you had a season-ending injury in 2019, you've now gone two seasons where there's no film. So you're betting on the come in a lot of ways. Uh, on top of that, there's some players that not only our organization, but other organizations signed that have never been with those teams. They've literally never stepped into the building as a member of, of the Edmonton franchise. So it's just unique in a lot of ways. And normally what helps in free agency is during the course of a year, beyond the evaluation with the on the field, on the field stuff is just getting to know a player and then getting a, a vibe of if they like it there, if they fit in the culture, you, you get a little gist of if they want to be there. A lot of times players will come up halfway through the season and say, hey, I really want to be here. You know, let's talk either now or after the season. And you just didn't have the opportunity this year due to COVID and the missed season. So it's unique in a lot of in a lot of areas for those reasons. Yeah, so so just just to clarify, because I've been asked this a lot, I'll just use myself as an example. If if I would have signed with you guys back in February for one year, I will be a free agent ag- again and potentially have never have played a game for you guys or whoever I would have signed with. Like, yeah, you go back into the pool. That's right. That's correct. The contracts didn't roll over; they they expired as they normally would. Okay, well, that's uh, that's incredibly unique, but one of many unique things that we've that we've seen here happen uh, happen through COVID. Uh, tell me, look, we, we we've had Scott Milanovic on every Monday for the last couple of months or so, coming on with Morley. Strange situation for him. Tell us uh, what the type of things you and Scott have been able to talk about through this non-season. Did it help establish some priorities? Did it get a little? tedious after a while just trying to find things to talk about or what, what was it like well we always have something to talk about whether it be players or schemes and things that he and his staff are coming up with and the film that they're watching and potential players that are out there that that he knows for the nfl and, and contact with him so there's always things that we can do and we've continued to do to modeling and forecasting potentials on staffs and all of the above so that that being said, what we really want to be doing is having face-to-face conversations in the stadium, talking about the game we played yesterday and the prep for the one coming up this coming week and all those things that we weren't able to have just yet. So, you know, that's when the, the real work begins, as everyone knows, is when we can all get together and, and actually have practices and games. So uh, it's been a long, a long stretch, as everyone knows now, of our last game so you need to be a it's unique for everybody but to be a a head coach brand new to a franchise and you know basically go two full off seasons without coaching that that puts him in a odd spot as well do you expect that there's going to be just less money in general to pay players i know there's the the salary cap but league revenues are, are well i guess could be affected if we get to a situation with no fans and obviously there was no revenue this year is this going to be a situation where gms like you might not be able to offer that canadian guy that extra you know five or ten thousand dollars that he could have got previously well i can only speak for our organization i don't know what other teams across the league are going to do i know for us we're going to be fiscally responsible uh you hit the nail on the head is that we're like no other we're like every other industry excuse me 
during COVID, which without revenue, um, we, we got to focus and make sure that we get to the other side of this and um, be responsible with what we're doing and how we're spending while still fully working as hard as we can and fielding the best team possible to hopefully compete for a great cup. So it's going to be a balancing act and we've all rolled our sleeves up and are doing everything we can to accomplish all those things at once. Brock Sunderland joining us tonight, GM of the Edmonton football team. He gets a contract extension through 2023. The, the CFL put the schedule out. Randy's been very optimistic about next season. Big emphasis on uh, divisional play. You're going to play everybody in the West three times next season, not just a couple of other po- opponents. You will not see everybody in the East home and away, which is a little unusual for the CFL. I'm wondering what you think of that format. I'm okay with it. I mean, again, it goes back to what we just spoke about is that it saves money for everybody on travel. So when we talk about a league as a whole and how gate driven we all are, I think that's a step in the process of getting through 21 and hopefully getting to the other side where 2022 we're all back to normal. And hopefully COVID is certainly in our rear view mirror at that point. So it's, I understand it. And a lot of those things are out of our control. We get schedules and we get to make our suggestions and comments, but ultimately the league is, are the people who decide that. We react to it and we do what we can do in prepping for those games. And whoever our opponent is, we focus on everything we can do to try to win that game, no matter who it is or where it is. And that's really what our focus is. Brock, I'll throw one more at you because I always kind of throw you a, a talent evaluation, player evaluation type question. Over in the last few years in football, you know, offenses are always evolving, different schemes, different play calling. Is there a skill set or a physical attribute that is more valuable than an offensive player now than it might have been five or ten years ago? I don't think so. I think you look for the same things all the time, which is size, speed, explosion, strength, and competitiveness. And I think that's something that you can copy and paste in any, whether you're running the the wing tee, the wishbone, the veer offense, the run and shoot, the air raid, the West Coast offense is big, athletic, fast, competitive players fit in every one of those. Our league is unique from the NFL where you'll take a smaller size player more often than the NFL. So it really comes down to finding the best talent you can and, and playing them where you can and really I've always felt that the best coaches adapt to the players that they have. So whoever you have, if they're talented, you find a a place to plug and play them and and fit them in with what you're doing or evolve what you're doing to their skill set. And that's really how teams usually are most successful. Well, Brock, uh, I just hope you don't start running the wishbone. Other than that, I'm pretty open-minded. <laughs> but, it would, it hey. would probably catch quite a few teams off guard, though. I mean, you have to admit that. <laughs> That's a fair point. Maybe maybe a formation or two a game. Hey, thanks for checking in. I always enjoy talking with you. Congratulations on the contract extension. And, of course, we'll, uh, we'll stay in touch as we move closer to a 2021 season. Really appreciate your time. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. That is Brock Sunderland checking in. So the new deal takes him through the 2023 season. The double E football team announcing the contract was signed earlier this year. Hey, speaking of coaches, so we're going to catch up with Tom. 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad.